A reading from the letter of Paul to the Ephesians. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will. So that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you, as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us to believe according to the working of his great power? God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet, and has made him the head over all things, for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
And what often distinguishes the churches of the Reformation is not praying for those who have died, but we do. We pray for them, we give thanks for them, we pray for the source of their souls. I think perhaps many of you uh, will remember uh, Father Mark Brokenleg, who uh, was here to preach at my institution. And Martin was a friend from college days. Uh, and I really didn't know anything about Native American tradition or about the culture until I got to know Martin. One of the things that Martin talked about was the very common experience uh, among Native people of uh, having the relatives come person who is dying. And often the person dying would say, I see the relatives, and the relatives would be gathered around the bed. I have uh, wondered many times, you know, what that meant. Is that just something that Native Americans experience? Is it real? Well, years later, uh, just before I came to Trinity, uh, Martin's father, Noah, broke a leg, uh, became very ill and died. Noah was a beloved priest. Uh, he had been on the reservation, the Rosebud Reservation, uh, his, almost his entire ministry. And he was a man at that point in his late 70s, early 80s, I think, when he died. So Lou and I went out to Rosebud for the, for the uh, funeral, and uh, it was held in a, in a gymnasium. The gymnasium was packed with people. And then after the funeral, we talked with Martin. And Martin said, you know, I was with Dad when he died. And just before he died, he said, the relatives are coming. I envy that. I thought how wonderful it is that they could have that sense of the presence of the cloud of saints that we believe surround us. Every celebration of the Eucharist, every time we pray, we believe we're surrounded by the saints. We're surrounded by the souls we love and have gone before us. And that in some way, the church triumphant, those who have gone on before, are still praying in the presence of God in a way that we can't be in this life. But we remember them, we give thanks to them. Well, I envy that kind of an understanding of the presence of the saints, and it's not often that I have that. But I think that coming back to this question of what we believe about death and what we believe about the afterlife, I would encourage you, if you have the time, to take a prayer book and uh, read through the prayers in burial office right one and also in right two. And that will give you a sense of our theology. Because you know, as Episcopalians would say, if you want to know what we believe, come and pray with us. Come and open the book of common prayer with us. That embodies our theology. Well, from that burial uh, office, right one, I found uh, these words from one of the prayers that I think can open up uh, this passage that we have from Luke today. It's, it goes like this Almighty and everlasting God, we yield unto thee most high praise and hearty thanks for the wonderful grace and virtue declared in all thy saints who have been the choice vessels of thy grace, and the lights of the world in their several generations, most humbly beseeching thee to give us grace, so to follow the example of their steadfastness in thy faith, and obedience to thy holy commandments. And that leads me to wonder, how 
the scene uh, is set by the Gospel writer in the preceding uh, three verses. It goes like this. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea, Jerusalem, and the coast of Tyre and Sidon. They had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the people were trying to touch him, for power came out from him and healed all of them. This is sometimes called the Sermon on the Plain. And it, I think we often think of these uh, situations that Jesus is in in very uh, pristine things, you know, very pastoral. And this wonderful plain that he's standing on with his disciples. But in fact, it was probably chaos. Because there were, sure, the twelve, but there were also other followers of Jesus. But the multitude were all those who were coming out because they wanted to heal. They wanted to be delivered of, of the evil spirit. And they wanted to touch Jesus because they knew if they touched him, the power would come from him to heal them. This a particular uh, set of the Beatitudes is quite different from that we read in Matthew. Uh, this one begins with Jesus reassuring them that you know, if you're hungry, you're going to be filled. If you are poor, you will be given thanks. You're going to not be poor forever. If you're mourning and are crying or weeping, there will be a time of joy and laughter. But in Matthew, what we hear are these, these beatitudes that are spiritualized. And it's more of a matter of poor in spirit and hunger and thirsting for righteousness' sake. And that's not what Luke describes Jesus saying. Jesus seems to be addressing
uh, the book group. We're going to be reading America's Prophet. We're going to be the first three Wednesdays in November, which is starting this Thursday from 7 to 8.30. 7 to 8.30, America's Prophet, three Wednesdays in November. Thank you. Morning, I'm Mira, co-chair of the CIA, former more secretary. And you have probably either received an email from me or a phone call asking you to uh, help with this video. The response has been great, and we have lots of people helping, but we still need more people. So please uh, respond to the email or talk to me after the uh, service.